Welcome to episode 278 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, coming to you from Austin, Texas. And I'm excited about this episode because I'll be talking to one of the athletes I coach. Her name is Nicole Winter. You might know her by her maiden name, Nicole Rausch. She is an athlete that I recently coached to do her first marathon in Houston earlier this year, and now she has goals that are bigger than that. Nicole is a certified personal trainer. She posts strength workouts online through a platform called Ladder.Fit. She also has a big Instagram presence. You can follow her at Nicole M. Winter underscore or at Nicole M. Runs to find both of her accounts. But I love this conversation because we go into her history as a runner, how she got into the sport. We talk about the journey that ultimately led to working with me to run her first marathon in Houston earlier this year. And now we talk about how she is dreaming bigger to go chase big goals like qualifying for the Boston Marathon. I think you'll find this conversation very relatable and also informative as you think about perhaps growing in your own journey as a runner. So with that as our intro, we're going to jump right in with Nicole. Here we go. Welcome, Nicole Winter, to the show. Newly married Nicole Winter, formerly Nicole Relsh. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? It's good to have you here in person. You're actually recording in my, air quotes, podcast studio here at my house, which is only the second time we've actually met in person, even though we've known each other for what? year and a half or so now, I, was, I think. I was literally just thinking of that today when the first time was that I met you. And it was, I think, right after Alec proposed. Because I remember meeting y'all and everyone's like, oh, they just got engaged in this whatever. Yeah, because we were on Zoom. Yeah. We met originally through the Creators Collective, which is a digital marketing agency that you and your husband now have together. Yep. So you were working with us through the Creators Collective at Rogue, we roped you into training with us to yep. <laughs> learn the vibes. And then ultimately I coached you to your first marathon in Houston in January. So yeah. the rest is history now. But we hadn't met in person until your race in Houston, which is crazy when no, I was cheering. Actually, when I was supposed to meet you, it was for a meeting for marketing. And we had just gotten a puppy and I could not leave. The puppy was <laughs> unwell. Yeah. So Alec had to go. So That's yeah, right. that was the first time that I met you was at the marathon. Yeah, we'd only met through Zooms. Yes. And this is crazy because actually Rogue, once I had to start going to training at Rogue was when I was like, okay, I'm going to start picking up marathon training or something again. So y'all totally sparked that <laughs> by being I, our client for Creators We take, take full credit. I'll yep. take full credit and partial credit for the result itself because yep. you get a big chunk of that. But I wanted to, what I wanted to talk about today was your journey as a runner, because as I've mentioned in the intro, you're a marathoner now. So obviously I want to talk about the build to that as somebody who is new to that distance. And then now you have big goals to chase a Boston qualifier, which I'll be working with you on to hopefully get one of those sometime next year, hopefully in February, fingers crossed, hopefully. that'll be the first attempt. Cool. And so we'll talk about that journey, but what I always love in digging into these stories is everybody comes to it from a unique place. And while I coach mostly group training and a lot of our programming looks look similar in terms of the principles we're applying to everybody. There's always nuances for the individual and everybody has a different background, a different story. And I think as at least as it relates to this format, there are people out there listening that can relate too. So right. let's go back on your story in sport first. When did you start in sport and how? 
In sport, is that just general? General, yeah, oh any my sport. Gosh. That was like maybe in preschool when I played soccer. Okay. I think this is my unique thing is that I've played every sport one time. Aside from <laughs> softball, there's like a handful of sports that I didn't play, but I did soccer. Um, and then in fifth grade, I think that was when we could actually play in school for a team. And I played basketball. I played volleyball. I played, what's a spring port, sport? Soccer. I did all of those sports never stuck with them, which is why it's interesting to me that I've stuck with running. Uh, and then once I got to high school, I actually did volleyball, uh, tennis. Those were like my two big sports. I actually could not continue volleyball because I had mono and you can't mm. do like contact sports because wow. I think it's your spleen. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. And then I did, I decided to do diving and I don't know why I had done gymnastics when I was younger and I was actually really good at it. Loved it. In high school. In high school. This wow. was my sophomore and junior year. Stuck with tennis that whole time and then actually hurt my back diving. And my coach said, go for a run around campus. We had like the summer practice at a college campus. He said, go for a run. You're going to loosen up your back. It's going to feel better. And that was it. Like and then it I did. Just, did it work? It worked. Then I started running. I actually had to quit diving after that because of my back, still played tennis, and yeah, running just became my release, I guess, because I've always now had back problems. Interesting. I feel like they always say don't run when you have right. any injury, but I don't, I don't know if he was right in telling me to go <laughs> do that, but I did. <laughs> your, your coach was smart. Yeah, a lot of people say don't run because of the impact, but right. but. That is bad information. And really, the U.S. is the only place where we tell people that right. <laughs> because movement equals blood flow equals healing in general. And impact also actually helps build muscle and and bone density. So if you do it the right way, obviously, totally. then it, it's actually very beneficial. Yeah, I think somebody tells me at least once a week not to run. Cause it's bad for my knees right? and I just don't want to hear it. Wait, well, <laughs> so. it's also just flat out wrong. So yeah. you can just tell them they're flat out wrong. Right. So take me back to that first run, because I would assume before that you had only run for sport. Mm -hmm. Sometimes maybe as punishment, I grew up playing soccer and yeah. running was mostly punishment or something that I didn't like doing because it wasn't play or yeah. competitive. So when you're, when you, <laughs> going out for that first run, I would assume you had that history as well. Yeah. And how did the run go? How did it feel? What did you discover? I'm actually thinking of back to when I tried to run before it was for this purpose with releasing my back pain. I went for a run and I could hardly run a mile and it was horrible. So thinking back to that first run where I like actually needed to do it because of my back injury, I... I don't even know if I thought, wow, this is hard. I think I just enjoyed not being in pain mm. because it, it really was crazy how much it felt. I felt a release doing it, but I'm trying to think of like the actual run that I first went on that I was like, okay, I'm going to go just go for a run for my purpose of exercise today. And I just remember feeling very euphoric after probably hit the runner's high mm -hmm. because I actually just genuinely wanted to keep running. And that was when I realized this is good for my stress. This is good for my body. And I don't know. I, I remember very starkly falling in love with it like it was night and day. That That's first amazing. Run. Yeah. What, a, what a gift at that age because so many of us, 
if we're starting at that time, we're getting into it through com- the competitive competitive side, yeah, which can have a double edged sword because while that's great because there's that outlet, it can sometimes be something that you resent or that you only learn because of the competitive side versus that stress relief, that mental meditation, that just pure joy of movement that you're able to have on that first run. Right. I actually thought that senior year, I thought about going out for track instead of playing tennis because those were the spring sports. And I said to my mom, who is a runner and wanted me to run all of high school, (laughs) I just didn't want to ruin the joy of running and change it into something I had to do for a sport. And I'm actually very grateful that I didn't. I will say there's a lot that I didn't know about running because I didn't ever do it as a sport in high school. But yeah, I, I think it was for good reason because I wasn't burnt out and I run solely because I enjoy it. It'll be interesting to come back to now the competitive element of thinking about yeah. times when we contrast it with how you started, but we'll I get know. to that. But, but that's amazing. That's a, that's such a gift because I think it's hard sometimes regardless of when you start, whether you start in high school or start later in life to to learn to love it just for the pure joy of movement, but that's right. really what keeps you doing it for a lifetime. Yeah. And sustains at least for a lifetime. We can have the ebbs and flows where we might want to get competitive with it at times, but but you'll always have that underpinning of just pure joy with it, which is cool. Right. I'm at an ebb right now with <laughs> being nervous to start training again because I feel like I didn't have a break from Houston. Right. Just because of the wedding and like having all that craziness, but after doing my first couple of training runs, I'm thinking it'll be, it'll be fine. You're I just excited. have to get into the swing fine. of it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's always that trepidation starting again, especially in the heat that we're experiencing right now. Yep. So from there, you fall in love with it in high school to stay healthy with your back. Where did it go from there in college? Did you keep doing it? Yes. So I remember distinctly the summer of my running was the summer before my freshman year of college. I stayed home Uh, that freshman year and went to community college and my mom always wanted to run with me and that was her time to shine because I finally wanted to run (laughs) with her and we would run uh, probably four times a week at least and I I just loved running around our neighborhood there's a lake close by to my parents house which is in Michigan and that was a four mile loop so it was like two miles there I could do four miles around the lake and I don't know I just would constantly run. And then once I went to community college, it was kind of my way to like get out of the house. And my mom's like, why don't you want me to go with you anymore? Suddenly <laughs> like, changed. I need a minute. <laughs> what, yeah. a, what a cool bonding experience. Though. It was. Yeah. My mom was, it was probably her happiest summer when I decided <laughs> I wanted to run with her. Were you guys so, compatible running partners? Uh, ish. It's funny <laughs> because I remember I, I would run with her in high school just because she would want somebody to go with. And I would yell at her to slow down. And I'm like, if you want me to run with you, you have to go at my pace. And then it turned into me running faster and having <laughs> to slow down for her. So it was, it was actually really fun. I would still run with her if, if I could. She has a bad knee, which is just from not taking care of it properly. But mm-hmm. we cannot run together anymore. So we definitely cherish those times. Um, I would also ride my bike with her running. And now we do the opposite. She'll ride she with rides. me, and I also got Alec to get on the bike. <laughs> yes. So I have her to thank for that because I wouldn't have thought to have him come with me on the bike if it weren't for that. So 
That's cool. Yeah, I know he did all of your long runs on the bike with you. I think aside from like one or two. Okay, that's good. Yeah. That's huge. I know when he's not there at the marathon, I'm like, this is no fun. (laughs) (laughs) Where's my my biking buddy? Where's your personal... He's got Bike my pacer. snacks. Yeah. That's like the biggest question I get is how do you hold your water, snacks, et cetera. And I'm like, Alec, I got, the bucket I got on, the, on the bike, obviously. <laughs> so at any point during that time, did you think about running a race? Uh, yes. Actually, I had been on a trip in Florida. This was, I think, the summer after my freshman year of college. I was on a trip in Florida and my friend texted me, do you want to run I think it's like the Riverbank Run or something in Grand Rapids. It's a pretty big organized race. He's like, hey, do you want to run the 5K with me tomorrow? And I'm like driving back from Florida with five of my girlfriends. And I was like, you know what? Why not? So we ran and that was so fun. And that's kind of when I started getting into like the 5K scene. So I signed up for like three more 5Ks that summer. Nice. How did you enjoy the racing versus just doing it for the pure joy? I'm trying to think. I feel like it was so weird for me. It's weird for me to revert back to just 3.1 miles and thinking mm. of that as like a competitive race. Right. I enjoyed it. I felt so accomplished after doing a 5K. <laughs> so I, I think it helped make me like running more probably. And that race, I think they have up to a 25K, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't it because the only 25K? Uh, there are others, but, but yeah, it's, it's a famous historic race. It's a famous historic race, probably the biggest 25 K. And then oftentimes they have the U S championships there. Yeah. That race just happened. What? I think three or four weeks ago. Yeah. And the U S champs was there. And so there's always a a good elite field. So you're, you're surrounded by historical vibe, right? That culture, which is probably cool. Yeah. My mom has done that. The 25 K. And so I just always knew that race growing up. So that was a fun one to do, to have my first race at. But yeah, I just, it is so wild. These are like unlocking memories for me that I ever (laughs) ran 5Ks. (laughs) Well, I mean, we'll talk about it, but we'll need to get back to doing some of those if we're going to work on the speed for the marathon. But we'll get to that. So where did you go from there? I know you've run, you've ran some halves Mm -hmm. after that. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I I would do like little charity runs in college. I then went to Michigan State and I would do like our sorority runs and charity type things. And then I think it was my, it had to have been the fall after graduating. So I graduated in 2016 and it was that fall. Why can I not think? Maybe it was the following fall 2017 that I did my first half. And I think I finally decided to run towards a goal like that because I wanted some structure in my life again. This was when I was nannying for my job. Alec lived down here in Texas. I was in Michigan. I needed some sort of structure to my life. Mm-hmm. And that is how I decided to gain that structure back by having to train for a race. And my mom also always in my ear about, <laughs> well, if you're going to run anyway, you might as well train for something. And she's not wrong. So that was the first time I went from running. I think I might have had one 10K in there. And then that's when I bumped up to a half, which I, I guess is the natural progression. But people, can, it can go any different way, Another right? Way. It doesn't yeah. have to. I went straight 10K to marathon. So and that, was my, that was my history. I didn't do a half until after a marathon. That's wild. So, but I've seen it all different ways. And there's no, I don't think you have to do it in order. Right. But some people do. And that obviously helps you build into it. 
So what was the half and how did you train for it? The half was Detroit. I think I looked up half marathon training plans on Pinterest and and that was that. I don't even, why didn't I just Google it? Like I literally went to Pinterest (laughs) for a half. Not where I would have looked, but okay. So I did that. I think I only ever ran 12 miles before the half. It was the international one. So you went through Canada. I, I did horrible. Really? I felt horrible. I think I, I went off too strong, which I always do. Oh, actually, I'm missing a very important part to this. Okay. I was supposed to run the full. Oh. So I take back what I said about okay. wanting to run a half. Yeah. I, I was supposed to run the full, and it was on my 18-mile um, training run that I hurt my knee. And I, don't, I can't pinpoint, like, what happened, but I remember being in pain for weeks after, and I just was like, there's no way. So I actually stopped training, and then I just changed my registration to the half. So you were going to go 10K so was, marathon too. I was going to do 10K marathon. <laughs> it's weird that even when you said that, I was like, why would he do that? I literally was going to do that. <laughs> you, did, you were going to do the same. I think I wanted to be ambitious about it. Uh, my mom had run that marathon. And so that was like just why I chose to do that. You. So I went from training for a marathon to just not training. And then I tried to run the half after not running for a couple of weeks. So. It did not go well. I went, I went too fast at the beginning. There's the ambassador bridge, which is a giant hill, but it's out in the open space. But then when you come back from Canada through the tunnel, the tunnel, yeah, it's disgusting in there. It's humid, (laughs) smells like exhaust. Like it just totally wrecked me. I think Alec and my parents were waiting like outside of the tunnel to cheer me on (laughs) and they were like you literally looked like a zombie I didn't see them (laughs) it was horrible (laughs) so I I think I finished that race I actually still didn't have a bad time but I just did not feel good at all but you finished it I finished it so was there a mix of emotions with that because 13.1 is 13.1 but you also obviously didn't feel great so what were the emotions at the end I felt actually a very huge sense of accomplishment I was very proud of myself and it wasn't until I think the knowledge that I have now about running that I'm like oh I felt horrible and I did that to myself but then I think I thought you were just supposed to feel that way okay because that's how my mom runs she's like you're supposed to feel like you're gonna throw up the whole time (laughs) (laughs) or else you're not running hard enough and that's just not need to have your mom on the podcast I know you should have my mom on the podcast (laughs) what so it's interesting to me so my dad ran a marathon when I was in I think middle school and it always stuck with me. And even though I didn't get into running till after college, really, it always stuck with me that that would be something I would do yeah, someday because my dad had done it. Was it the same for you in the marathon Maybe. because of your mom? Yeah. Well, now when I train for marathons, I always think I'm doing this for my mom. And like she was running before we were born. And I don't, I grew up like literally running in the, or I was in the jogger while she was running and then going to see her race. So I think that subconsciously I always planned on doing it because once I started running, it just seemed like a no brainer. And I guess having her to say like, Oh, Hey, why don't you sign up for a race was kind of like the push I needed, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like it was always a part of some greater plan that I would do it because of her. So after that half you have that feeling of accomplishment. Did you want more? 
No, I don't think so. (laughs) I I was still, this was also like October in Michigan is when the weather changes. I'm not a cold weather gal. I have actually, uh, my asthma is horrible in the cold. So if I go Mm. for a run in the, in the cold, I'll have, I need like my inhaler. (laughs) Like I'll have terrible wheezing. So I think it was just kind of like a mix of, okay, did it done. Winter's here. We'll see how I feel in the spring. And then that was when I decided in the springtime I was going to train again for Grand Rapids. So I did the Grand Rapids half the Which following is, season. Okay. So in the spring. Yeah. Or I, I get it messed up. I know I should have like written this down because okay. I have it somewhere, but it was either 27 or 2018 or 2019. Okay. And that one was also actually in October. So it was like another training yep. season later that I could train for it and do the same time of year and everything in Michigan. So how did that one go? That one went much better. That was when I was finally like, okay, I'm getting the hang of this. (laughs) I think I still use the same Pinterest half marathon plan, Nice, (laughs) but that was when, so the first marathon, I was not doing any strength training. The second half was when I was doing orange theory, actually of all things, which now I would never do on top of, training because it's running and strength. Right. Um, but that was kind of like what got me into adding strength training and realizing it was going to benefit my running. Which is now a part of your career as well. Right. So had you done any strength training at all before? Yeah. So I, in college, actually I have Alec to thank. He was like the one that was like, you need to get in the weight room. Like you can't just run. Right. And I think I had, we had done strength training like in sports and stuff in high school, but nothing where I would like bring myself to the gym and do weights. I had like the same like three exercises that I would do when I would go to the gym. I'd run on the treadmill and then do like the assisted pull-up machine, bicep curls and squats or something like that. Like (laughs) I didn't have any idea of like the whole world of strength training. And I got into that actually. I think it was after I ran the Detroit half or maybe it was before, but in my mind it was like I was either strength training or I was training for a marathon or a half. It wasn't like doing it was both one or the once. other. Yeah. But I would assume you felt a difference in your running because of it. Yeah. I felt so much better when I ran the Grand Rapids half, which was the second one. I just felt stronger. I felt like I was recovering faster. Um, I had like a better grip on how my body felt. Also my form, which I still could definitely work on, (laughs) but my form with running was so much better. Um, And that was like, I I was also, you know, weight training on my own. I belonged to like the local YMCA in Grand Rapids. So I was doing a mix of that Orange Theory and running. So I think what I would do, it was use the Orange Theory days for my shorter runs on the treadmill and just kind of do my own thing. But yeah, Orange Theory and mixing with running training is tricky. Mm-hmm. People ask me that all the time about whether or not they could do both. And my right. answer now is no. Yeah, I would say <laughs> because, no. Because I tried to have people do it at one time and just go lighter or do something besides the running when they right. had that part of it. So they got the work, uh, the the strength work, but not the actual aerobic stimulus. But most people couldn't do that, right? You know, in a class of people where they're well, sort of and expected. you're like competing for splat points or whatever right. it is. Exactly. I, actually, Orange Theory does now have an option to just do the floor. Okay. So if people ask, 
That's good to Maybe know. Maybe that would be good to know. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, I don't know how I did it now that I think back to that. I was young, I guess. I'm not that I'm not that much older You're now. Still but. <laughs> You're still young, Nicole. Would you have ever thought then that that would be a big part of your career? No. Is teaching others to strength train? No, it's actually funny because Orange Theory was my first like ambassador partnership thing for Instagram. And this was when I had like 3,000 followers. <laughs> so that's why I was going to Orange Theory. And it was actually then because I got familiar with the coaches and I was like, oh, this would be so fun to teach a fitness class. And that was the reason I got my certification for personal training because I thought I would want to teach at Orange Theory. So it's just kind of funny thinking back on it, the way it all intermingles and all of that. Orange Theory gets credit there. Yeah, Orange Theory does get credit. So you run the Grand Rapids race, feel better. Mm -hmm. What comes after that? Oh, gosh. I, I think I still ran for fun. Like, I don't think I had as much of a break of I don't want to run right now. I kept, continued running through the winter. And then I think that was the following year is when we moved finally to Austin. So finally left Michigan, came to Austin. And that was my first. I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to look up what races they have because I wanted to feel I don't know, just part of it, part of it, part of the running crew here, even though I still only ran by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I ran. So it would have been what a year and a couple of months later, I ran the Austin half. And that was when I was actually strength training. So that was kind of like the shift. When I finished the Grand Rapids half, I was strength training regularly, running regularly, and then came to Austin. And for whatever reason, when I came here was when I felt comfortable enough to film workouts to post on Instagram, because in Grand Rapids, it's just very like you don't see people filming. (laughs) Like I feel I feel you would compare it to people in L.A. versus here. It's like you go to L.A. and it's so normal to be dancing in the middle of the sidewalk and being filmed. And so it literally felt like that where I came here and I was like, okay, I can film. <laughs> Maybe the sense of like not seeing people that I, mean, I know in public and yeah. having them judge me for it. So Right. You knew fewer people. There was also an evolution happening in the world right. at the same time where that became more 100%. Normal. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I guess, when I picked up strength training more, even more so and running. And then when COVID hit, it was just, what else am I going to do? So. <laughs> right. Right. So would that have been the 2020 Austin? 20. Yeah. We or ran the half 2020 okay. a month before. Everything shuts down. down. Yep. Yeah. And then the world shuts down. Your life in many ways changed yeah. overnight because of it for the better. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's when people could only do workouts at home. So yeah your following exploded. That's when I finally had the following that mattered on on Instagram. I remember back then, now everybody has the link in stories to link whatever you want. But back then you had to get to 10K before you could link anything. So that was always like the number was 10K. And yeah, that basically happened overnight during COVID. And I I remember saying, okay, I'm going to post two home-friendly strength workouts a week during COVID. And then I ended up just doing it every day. It was so fun. I look back at my camera roll and there's just all these videos and looking back at my form back then, even versus now, it's crazy to see how you you evolve evolve over the years. Yeah. But that marathon or that half in Austin was my best time by far, which I don't, you probably would know it better than I would. It's somewhere in our training plan. Yeah. And it's, that's a tough race. Yeah. The hills. 
I had a friend come run that race with me and we didn't know it was hilly <laughs> and we drove like the first, I don't know, eight miles of it. And then we were like, okay, we get the idea. Like, let's go home. And that last couple of miles is where the big hills happen. So yeah. she was not happy with me. I think she's still <laughs> mad at me. <laughs> She'll yeah, probably big, listen to this the podcast. The big climb too. with a mile to go. I mean, all really the last three miles are rolling plus that big climb on. I was going to say on, the first uh, mile. Infield is a hill as well. Yeah. Straight uphill. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's a brutal, brutal race, but one you can run well if you approach it smart in a smart way. So you must've felt great. Then the world shuts down. Your business takes off from a strength perspective. How was your running during the pandemic? I think I was running on and off because they kept shutting down the trail. Do you remember that? When they would like, yeah, it was weird, right? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. I, I think I'd forgotten, but yeah, they would ran. It would be like Easter weekend, and they didn't <laughs> want too many people on the trail. And then there was or, a while where you could only go one direction. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it was just, and I think so that strange. gave me severe anxiety. I'm a big rule follower, yeah. rule pleaser. Okay. Meanwhile, Alec would be like, "So just go for a run on the trail." <laughs> right. But I, I think that I, I was still running. Gosh, I really can't. Remember, I definitely was not doing like a regimented run X amount of miles a week. It was more so like do strength training. And then when I have a craving to go for a run, I would go for a run. Because, um, yeah, I didn't have the treadmill then either because the gyms were closed. Mm, yeah. So I'm not really sure. That's kind of a blur to me because I think I didn't start running very seriously again. And then until we started working with you and then I was still only running the Tuesday night speed workout and <laughs> right. I, Brent was my coach and he's like, you can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't just, just run today, come today and, <laughs> and run like this. He's like, what are you doing? But it's just what felt good and what I was doing. Yeah. So then I started running more. That was what October of 2020. I want to say. Yep. Yeah. And then I ran. Yeah. January, 2022. So it took probably until we started training together me to actually pick up and run um very regimented yeah. yeah year later after that yeah use the word craving when i have a craving for the run i think that's a, a good word for it yeah what does a craving for a run look like to you i don't know when i just <laughs> i'm like i'll go outside for a walk and i'm like no i need to go for a run like i'll have times where i think i just want to get outside and go for a walk and i'll turn around to get my belt and my everything to go for a run instead i don't know what it i that's hard to explain what that feels like or what it looks like. But if I have a craving to go for a run, I just decide that's what I'm doing. Yeah. And that's probably like a four mile run listening to a podcast or music. Nothing crazy. What do you do when you don't want to go? Oh, but you have to go. How I do you motivate yourself? Suck it up and go. <laughs> I that's actually a tough one because there are days where I really don't want to go and I will honor that because then I don't want to resent having to go for a run. But if I really don't want to go, I always consider how I feel once it's done. And I'm like very OCD about crossing things off. So if I have a training plan, I want to be able to cross off that run and have it on the correct day. Yeah. So that plays a toll, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I'm pretty good about just going. You can't think about it. You just have to go. Yeah. I have a friend who gave me this quote he said you can either choose the pain of discipline or the pain of regret mm -hmm. and you never regret the pain of discipline yeah that's a good one <laughs> i think that's usually how i feel too because i'm always glad that i went and i'll i'll either like 
drive to the trail or do something that I know will be easy and comfortable for me, which maybe isn't always the best, but whatever gets me to go. Yep. So, yeah. So then fall of 2021, you decide to train for the Houston Marathon. Yep. What would be your second attempt at getting to the distance mm-hmm. after Detroit? Why, why the marathon again and why Houston? Yeah. So now that I'm thinking of it, I must have been running a little bit more because that was summer. We had talked. I was running maybe a couple times a week, just short distances. Um, and yeah, I just got the craving again to train for something. There's and I don't. That, there's that word. The craving. Yeah, I think that after running three halves, I was ready for something different because this is every time I run a half, and the people that only ever want to run a half, that's great. But I'm always like, gosh, I'm such a sucker. Look at like these people are running a full and like I just feel like there's just room for more. So that's why I finally was like, okay, it's time. It's time. And I felt like I was in a good routine with my strength training. I'm healthy. I I feel now that I know how to properly care for myself as an adult, (laughs) eating well, hydrating, all the things. So I just felt like now was the time. To do now it. it's the time. And yes, yeah. for the record, there's nothing wrong with halves. There's nothing wrong with halves. There's nothing wrong with <laughs> you're halves. doing enough by running a half. <laughs> Especially if you're trying to run a fast half. That yeah. in many ways can be as hard as running a as running a first marathon. Right. But but sometimes you want more and you got mm-hmm. you had to honor that. Yeah. And I had I had wanted that for a long time. So I think it just it was time. I also will say for the half, I was much more sore after all of my halves than I was for my full. And that goes to show that you, I maybe run harder during a half. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's interesting. I think I trained properly though. For the first you were, time in my you were life. ready. Yeah. You were definitely ready for the marathon. Probably yeah. more so than you have been for those halves. Yeah, I would agree. Why Houston? Because you said it was flat. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually nice. a lot of the rogue runners, I think my running group. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, a from lot of Brent's them were going to run. Yep. Maybe I think that's also probably what kind of got in my head about like, oh, maybe it would be time to run a half or a full because so many people in my running group. They were probably asking you. Just, yeah. Well, and they're going to do a full? everybody else is doing it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, are we all going to Houston? I didn't see a single person from Rogue except for you. <laughs> that was my choice. Well, we had a lot of people back. there. I, I mean, did. I ran with probably 25 people that I knew. Yeah. But, but that's you a know, lie. but that's a big it. race. It's a big race. You saw Aubrey there, yeah. right? Yeah. And so anyway, it's a big race and there's, but yes, Houston's amazing. Yeah. What were your impressions of meeting all of these crazy Rogue people? I actually didn't think that y'all were as intimidating as I, I expected. Okay. I think that I know I knew it was an intimidating group, so I had set the bar high of like, okay, yep. just be prepared. It's okay. Yep. But everyone was great. <laughs> everybody ran. It made me realize that maybe I'm not like a true all-season runner because everybody's always following some sort of plan. Right. And I'm like, I'm just here for the heck of it, <laughs> which obviously was not the best for my body, but... It was fine. Every everybody was great. Yeah. I think I was surprised by how knowledgeable every person is about running, and I think that is intimidating because people are asking me questions. Brent's yelling at me because I don't have a water bottle. <laughs> I'm like, I don't. I'm just here for the for fun. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Trying to figure it out. So maybe that part to me was intimidating because I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, I am not a seasoned professional when it comes <laughs> to running by any means. Um, but yeah, I guess, I don't know. My impressions were all good things. Maybe yeah. this isn't the answer that you want to hear. No, I mean, I, I mean, good things are good things, right? Yeah. Obviously I, you know, 
think it's mostly good things. Yeah, I will say too, I, I think the first couple of times I went, people were kind of like staying in their own lane. And I had to like prove myself that <laughs> like you can talk to me or we can be friends. It's okay. Yeah. I think that's to any, yeah, any sure. group, any new Any new environment. Yeah. It's always hard. I, 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 as a business owner, in addition to as a coach who welcomes people in all the time, yeah. there's always, so on one hand, you want it to be a little bit intimidating yeah. because because we're creating an environment and a program that's rigorous mm -hmm. that will get people to their highest potential. And in order to do that, people have to do hard things and they have to work and they right. have to, in some ways, earn their spot in the group by not doing anything with a certain performance in mind, but really just by showing up and being present and continuing to show up and be consistent. Yeah. But on the other hand, you want to lower that bar as as low as possible to make people feel like they can step in and right. then meet that bar by continuing to show up. Yeah. I will say the amount of crap I would get if I didn't show up for two weeks and then showed back up. Everyone's <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> where, yeah. Where and that's, been? and that's how you earn things in our world. It's not about a time or running a certain pace or, yeah. or anything looking a certain way, acting a certain way. It's about, are you consistent? Yeah. Because well, people want to see that. But also they want it for you right. because they know what can happen when you are. I was going to say, I think that was something that I really appreciated about Rogue was going and like people want to see you back because that means you're staying consistent with yourself and you're all reaching that same goal of hitting your runs or your miles or whatever. Um, I will say though, the, the hills, the speed workouts, the things that we went through in the Tuesday nights, I, Wednesday morning was whooped. <laughs> like I remember multiple times, like not waking up with my alarm from being so tired. It's also, tough. I wasn't like an evening workout. Like I'm always a morning workout person. Yep. So going to the evening classes was like a whole new yep. thing. It was so fun though. It, it was fun because I finally got, I think what I needed out of running that maybe I was missing, but it was very challenging. Yeah. Yeah, we don't mess around. No, it's but not we, just a casual <laughs> running club. <laughs> we give you only things that you can handle, but it's yeah. not easy. And I actually, too, one of um, Aubrey and Christina are both girls I met in that running group who I still run with now. And they would say, are you going to practice on Tuesday? Yeah. And I'm like, that's so cute. They're calling it <laughs> practice. And then I realize I'm like, no, this actually feels like <laughs> it's practice. Real, yeah. yeah, like a track practice. Yeah. Or a hill practice. But yes, it, I've never actually personally embraced that term. Yeah. But I do love that people call it that in, yeah. our, in our world. Yeah. What do you call it? For your group? workout. Just a workout. Just a workout. Quality workout. 530 on Wednesdays. 530 a.m. Wednesdays. Yeah. How, how would that work then if I came to your running group, if I do speed workouts on Tuesdays? What do you mean? Is so, it, well, we would just, we would just switch your, yeah, we would just switch your schedule to make Wednesday work and adjust something else. And then you would run still your long run on Saturday. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So my group, so you do your speed Tuesday, your medium long run Thursday. Yep. My group does Monday, Wednesday, Monday, medium long Wednesday workout. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So it's just basically moved up a day. Okay. Good to know. Not sure I'll and, be there at 530 and ever. Flipped, but. <laughs> and flipped. But no, you should check it out. I think you would really like it. And, you you know, it is that morning yeah. time. My that, biggest fear is running in the dark, though. But it's really not too bad right now because the, the days summer. are long yeah. and they're about to get longer. So I remember looking at my watch yesterday 
and it was six and pretty light, you know, light enough. And, and for the first part, you're warming up, we're doing drills. You don't really need to be able to see until about that time. You don't need to be able to see. Use the force. That's what we use. But no, I think you would, I think you'd be surprised that it's actually not too bad this time of year when it's winter, it's a little different, Yeah. but no, you should come check it out at some point. The, the, the nice thing about the morning feeling is that, and I was telling my group this yesterday, that when you do something hard at 530 in the morning and then it's seven and you're going to work or whatever, yeah, you just have this, this like your shoulders are held high, your head's yeah. up. You've done more in an hour and a half before everybody else has done anything in life right. than they might do all week Yeah, because we had a really tough hill workout yesterday. And it just, it gives you, it's a perfect way to start the day. And yes, there's an adjustment to that early hour, but once you get adjusted, then you just walk around with your head head held high the rest of the day, which is a good feeling. That was me when I, I worked a corporate job for six whole weeks out of college, (laughs) Um, but I would wake up at 4.30 to go to the gym. Yeah. And on those days, I always had like a 10 times better work day because you just feel accomplished. You want to continue that productivity throughout the day. Yeah. So I would agree. I, that's my biggest struggle is waking up and immediately going for a run. But I think it would help me because I, all summer with training, it's a hundred degrees. Like I have yep. to, I have to go in the morning. So we'll get you to at least one of those workouts. I think you would actually enjoy it. And our yeah. group is a good group. And that time that you're chasing for the marathon, you would have a good crew to run with. Right. But we'll cross that bridge later. So marathon training, you started working with me. Because you didn't want to go Tuesday night anymore, so we started doing basically a virtual program. Yeah, where I would how give did you we t- get to that agreement? By the way, <laughs> I, I don't, don't know if I texted you and was just like, "Hey, I don't remember." Um, I don't remember to be honest, yeah. but I do remember having a conversation where you said I didn't that you couldn't, not that you couldn't, but you do, the evening group wasn't for you, right? And that you were also more of a runner who likes to do things on their own. Yeah because that's your time to be on your own and, and Mm -hmm. de-stress. And so we had talked about that part and then I don't know how exactly it came out, but I'm like, all right, well, I'll just write you a program. Right. And I'm so so glad you did. did. Yeah. So I did. Much better than Pinterest. (laughs) (laughs) Much better, much better than Pinterest. So gearing up for that. And I don't, do you remember exactly when we started? I had your program. I think it was August. So my first week of training was that week after Labor Day. Yep, September we, 6th. We yeah, chatted in August because I had just been out for two weeks sick. And it was like my first run getting back into things after having to take some time off. Yeah, I'm pulling it up. We, yeah, yeah we, I wrote you a 19-week plan. Started yep. September 6th. Oh, I always tell people I ran 20 weeks. Mm, Whatever. Close enough. A little beginning. Close enough. Yeah, so it was a 19-week weeks. plan. And I think you started a little bit earlier with some priming. I was going to so say, you had me like Doing some routine. stuff, yeah. Yeah. So... Maybe it was 21, (laughs) but yeah, 19 week plan. And oftentimes people ask me like, why so long? Cause you'll see a lot of 12 week or 16 week plans out there for a marathon. You will online. If you, if you Google it, I don't know about Pinterest, (laughs) Pinterest. but, um, but anyway, but we like 20 to sometimes even as long as 24 week program. Yeah. And it's not that you're doing hard workouts or marathon specific work that whole time, but you're giving yourself the opportunity to ramp into the program. And so when, as we periodize things, your first five weeks were all what we call priming, where you were just doing 
the running, establishing the routine, building some of the volume while also doing some light workouts. Yep. Strides, hill strides. I think we did some light fart licks. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a way to ramp into it so that by the time we get to that 16-week point or that 14-week point, then you're fit enough to then start really gil- getting into the marathon-specific stuff. Right. Wait, did you ask me a question? No. Okay. <laughs> I was like, wait, it looks like There was like no question. I was just months. explaining for context. Yes. For those listening. And people have heard me talk about this on the podcast before. But, right. But I know some of the folks that are from your audience will be listening to this and that don't necessarily have 277 episodes of history with me. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Also, these people that are listening, they, well, not all of them, I shouldn't say that, but a handful of people that want to know about working with you, just ask if I could just send my training plan. <laughs> could I just take a look at it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> the answer is no for a lot of reasons. One, because I'm not just handing away my training, but also... Right. More than that, it's really, it's, it's customized. It's individual. Yeah. What we created for you was specific to you. And when we're operating in an environment where you're training independently, we could customize it to the nth degree, essentially right. building the weekdays exactly how it works into your schedule. And, and also starting from a place that was going to be consistent with your starting point so that we didn't right. ramp things up too quickly. But as we, as you think about the training program itself before the race, what did you, what, what did you learn? What surprised you as we started working together through the last fall? Um, I will say something that, that surprised me about working with you specifically was how much you actually like cared about the plan. <laughs> and I think I would be afraid to tell you like, Hey, I can't get this run in or <laughs> Hey, I'm injured. Like, but you always came back with something that made sense in my plan. And that shocked me because I was honestly, I wouldn't know how to do that on my own. And back to people listening to this that maybe are coming from my page. I think that when you look at a training plan, it's so intimidating and not understanding the way it's laid out and how you schedule it all. It is intimidating because you're like, oh my gosh, if I miss a week, like what's the point? You know? So I think, I think that was like a, very exciting revelation in working with you that it could be altered and it it did still work if you missed a run or I don't know I wasn't yeah we I mean we had to make a lot of adjustments for you and yeah and that's why I mean it's interesting that you bring that up because people ask me all the time can I just create them a schedule right and hand it over and they would execute it right I don't do that ever yeah because it doesn't work <laughs> because the second you put it on paper, something changes right. and you have to, it's a living, breathing thing mm-hmm. and you have to constantly adapt. And especially in marathon training, there is no such thing as a perfect cycle. Right. Something's going to come up. You had an injury with your hip come up. You had to make adjustments that was late in the game, which is mm-hmm. even more tricky as to how you make those shifts. Yeah. And so I refuse to write a schedule like that because then then I let them go and they're left to their own devices and it's just not going to, not going to work out and they're not going to get the result that they want because they don't have that, that feedback going back and forth. And the thing for me to a fault is I care too much. Yeah. You know, like once you tell me I, I have a goal, you personally or anybody that works with me, once you tell me they have a goal, like that becomes my goal. Right. I become invested in it just like you are. And I, that's just the way I'm wired. I can't help myself. So yeah. I'm not going to sit there and write something and then be like, oh, hey, I hope it goes well. I'm going to be invested no matter what. And so right. that's what you get. What makes you a good running coach? Because now I'm seeing, because I started my running account, 
and I obviously the Explore page shows me all of these running coaches and whatever. And you go to their website and they have their all their marathon plans, whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, this would suck. <laughs> like yeah. you can get the same thing for free. Right. But if you want to actually work with a coach, it's so worth having somebody to actually care and help you when you're struggling because that is a very valid feeling of like, oh my gosh, I have to miss this workout. What am I going to do? Yeah. Because you don't know if you're injuring or prone to like injuring yourself or doing something wrong by just continuing on with your plan after taking time off. And let's talk about those adjustments because yeah. you had a little injury with your hip. And I remember there was some hesitation about sharing some of that yeah. with me because I think you were more worried that I would be disappointed or something because you were having to miss. Yeah. But then once you, once we got it out in the open and we started working through it, I know we had to, I think we had to miss one twenty mile run. We rearranged things so that you could get, still get one in <clears throat> and it just became, let's do what we can do. Right. Right. Let's do what the body will allow. Yeah. And it became very week to week as to what was possible. And to your credit, after you communicated what was going on, you, you rolled with it. Yeah. And that didn't at least cause too much. Oftentimes when we have to do that, it causes fear interpretation that that's going to cost you on race day. Right. And I'm sure you had those doubts, but you still went and showed up and delivered on race yeah. day, which was cool. So how did you work through all of that? I, I will say it was thanks to you because I don't, if I was just doing that on my own, I would have had mega self doubt but you always were reassuring. Um, I think also realizing that the pain went down a little bit after I think we maybe stopped speed workouts as well for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. There was like a few shifts that we yep. made. And once I like actually started to feel better, I, I honestly just did not even have a doubt in my mind that I wouldn't be okay for race day. And I think I, when I did, I would say something yeah. like, Hey, I'm actually really anxious about this. I also still ran 20 miles, I think three times. You did. Right. Yep. Yeah. We so, had four on the schedule. You got three in. Yeah. And so many people, I remember running 20 miles and they'd be like, you're already running 20 miles in your training <laughs> right. cycle or wait, you're running it more than, didn't you already run 20 miles? Why are you doing it again? <laughs> so I think knowing that I was like maybe a step ahead in comparison to maybe another person's training plan, which it shouldn't be about comparing to somebody right. else, but that made me feel so much better. There are many plans that yeah. minimize that part of the equation. And we just don't believe that you should because yeah. one, people can handle it if you build them up to it. And two, then that makes you so much more prepared to handle 26.2 when you've right. done many 20 milers. And so we like at least three if possible up to as many as five or six for those that are more experienced because it just hardens the legs. Well, and I think we were potentially going to do 22 miles. Right. We did have one of those and that was, in there. I was injured. I think too, though, I, I hesitated in telling you about it because I didn't want to believe it myself. I also, like a couple of weeks prior, got in trouble because I did one of my long runs too fast. <laughs> <laughs> Quote unquote trouble. Yeah. And I was like, if this is, he's going to think this is it. He's going to think that's why. <laughs> and then I also was supposed to actually run with the rogue group on for my Saturday That's right, run. for that one and run. And I was yeah. like, I can't tell him because I don't want him to think I'm just like not going to show up to run with. So the moral of the stories are communicate with your coach. <laughs> <laughs> Keep moving. That was the yeah. most important thing we did. You yep. saw some practitioners to kind of help figure out what was going on. Mm -hmm. That I think helped work through 
the issue, but you also kept moving. We tried to do as much as we could. And not only does that help you heal because movement equals blood flow equals healing, but it also keeps you from losing fitness. When you stop doing anything, then it can digress quickly. But when you're maintaining by doing something, Mm -hmm. then you stay, you stay in the game. Right. I think too, just like absolutely trusting the process, which I had to tell myself multiple times, but also I, I think you told me all of the work that we've already done like does not go away just because we had to alter the schedule. Right. So that was obviously reassuring as well. It's a good lesson that it doesn't have to go perfectly because we right. always want that. Everybody wants it to go perfectly so that they can then say, oh, that means now I can do the thing, yeah. go hit the goal. But the truth is it never goes perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> and of, oftentimes the imperfections actually end up helping you in some way because they make you stronger mentally yeah. or you're having to work a weakness while you're rehabbing that little niggle that popped up that actually helps make you stronger on race day. So there's right. a lot of positives that come from these curveballs that we get. Yeah, I think I'm actually glad that that happened because if everything went perfectly for the first marathon, then I would be not very happy, I'm sure, with the next training cycle <laughs> because it's not always going to go. Right. Perfectly, like you said. Yeah, it's good to get that in your first one, just yeah. so you know how and to And I roll, only have happy memories looking back at my training. Like, I don't really think about it's good. all of that. Yeah. And so it's, you mentioned slowing down. Mm-hmm. I had to get on you about that for that one long run. I think we talked about it a lot early on about slowing down on your easy days. Yeah. That is such a hard thing for people to grasp the importance of it not only for aerobic development and making sure you're working the right zones, but also to keep yourself healthy while you're building volume. I think that's one reason why people can't handle a bunch of 20 mile runs is because they're running too fast all the time versus balancing it appropriately. How did you teach yourself to slow down? I'm still doing (laughs) that. (laughs) I still can't slow down. I actually, now that I've been like paying more attention to the running world and listening to podcasts and watching stuff like on Instagram, which isn't always the most credible, but everybody's like, you cannot become a stronger or a faster runner without doing most of your runs easy. And I think that has been finally having it drilled enough in my head and realizing that I don't have to kill myself on every run. I've actually also just maybe enjoyed running more because even if you have a daunting run that you're maybe not so excited about, you can go on the run knowing that you can just sit back and relax. Like it doesn't have to be this like crazy push to finish a run in X amount of time. I also, I'm, I think that something that other people struggle with that I don't so much is your pace on Strava. And (laughs) like one of my friends literally will not download Strava because of that. And to me, I'm like, look, (laughs) See, I did it slow. Like, look, this is great. So to me, it's the opposite where I want to prove So it reinforces. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So I'm still learning. I've gotten a heck of a lot better at it. I think my shorter runs like three, four, five miles, much better at slowing down. But my like six plus mile runs, I think I get excited to just get the miles under my belt. So I start off a little too fast Yeah. because I feel good. But then I don't feel good at the end. <laughs> right. So I need to swap. Well, yeah, we'll keep we'll keep working on that. But it's a it's we're all learning, right? Learning all the time. So the other thing we were doing is obviously integrating strength into the training program. You had planned three days of strength a week. 
We were doing leg day on your speed days. We were doing, I think, a full body workout on your medium longer day and then an upper body on your one of your recovery days spaced out throughout the week. What did you learn about strength training through that cycle? That it was a heck of a lot harder to get done <laughs> than when I'm not training. Um, no, but in all, all seriousness, I think that the number one thing was killing two birds with one stone on Tuesdays with getting the hardest stuff on my legs done with with the speed workout and the lower body day. Um, and I honestly, I, I just shifted a little bit with how much weight I was lifting, doing a lot of dumbbell work instead of like going to the squat rack. Um, and even so I still felt incredibly strong. So even I think that there's this like idea of trying to stick with what you have been doing or trying to not lose muscle, which is obviously a myth, but I think people get hung up on that for running. Um, but I shifted it a lot and I just still felt so strong. And I think that my recovery, I just recovered so well from like my long runs. If I was doing this with my half marathon training after my long runs, I would be toasted for like the rest of the weekend, maybe still sore on a Monday. And I think I would be, you know, a little bit sore, a little bit tired on, let's say I did my long run Saturday, but Sunday I was like ready to rumble. So I think (laughs) that that was like, (laughs) ready to rumble. rumble. I love it. I think that I owe that to strength. And of course, obviously like prioritizing sleep and hydrating and all of that stuff. But I think that was something that was like a key takeaway in keeping up with strength training. Um, Yeah. What people don't realize is that there's not just the muscular element, right? Your muscles are stronger. They can do more. They're more resilient. There's also the neurological element of neuro neuromuscular control that what happens when we just run and we push ourselves that way, then the nerves can shut down or, or turn off, but strength training turns them back on or keeps them engaged so that they're doing what they need to do to control your body and keep your form in check. And, but we forget about that part, the role of the nerves in the equation and strength training, even if you have to reduce the weight, just having that stimulus keeps those nerves firing and doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And something else too, it helped like keep running fresh for me because if you're only running and that's your only movement, it's, you're going to get sick of it more easily. So it was fun to have a strength workout to like look forward to something different. So I think that's something too mentally that helped. With Mixes my training. it up. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the race itself. You crushed it ultimately <laughs> in the, in, in the grand scheme, went a little fast, you know, a to start, uh, but, but held it together really well mm-hmm. in the grand scheme, ended up running a three thirty one first marathon faster than we had planned because you just felt so good. Splits were slightly positive. I was looking back today, you ran a 144 and then just over 146 and change on on the second half. So a little bit of a positive split. But considering that you started too fast, I think you held it together really well. It sounded like and seemed like from seeing you at mile mile 21 that it was just an amazing day. So what was the experience like? Um, Wow. I, I honestly had the best time. I think that's my toxic trait is looking back at things and only thinking of the positive, which I guess <laughs> good or bad, that's, but that's most people. It's the opposite. So yeah. I wouldn't call that toxic at all. Yeah. So I actually, the night before the race, we'll go back there. I literally told Alec that I was not going to run. I was really? all of a sudden the nerves hit me so hard that I was like, I just don't think I can do it wow. An actual like fear of having to go run the marathon. 
Um, and I don't know what that was, huh. but I think I How did just, you work through it? Um, we actually, my friend got me, um, a candle that was St. Sebastian, which is the saint of athletes. Mm-hmm. And it like came with like a little prayer and you light the candle. I don't know if I'm allowed to do that in the hotel room, but I did. <laughs> and we like prayed with the candle, which sounds kind of cult like, but anyway, <laughs> I grew up Catholic. It's normal. Were there any sacrifices um, involved there, or no, just <laughs> no sacrifices? Okay. Um, but yeah, we, and I just obviously had Alec talk me through it, remind me of my training and all of that. And then I actually slept like I thought I wouldn't be able to fall asleep. I think I woke up a couple of times. Um, but yeah, I woke up that morning and I was like, all right, well, now's the time. We're going to do it. We're going to, if you have to do it anyway, like let's have a positive attitude about it. I had a friend that was meeting me at my corral. So there were like little things that I needed to work through to get myself to the start line, which was just like waking up, getting dressed, having my breakfast. I literally brought my toaster to the <laughs> hotel nice because i wanted to have all the that's things a pro that, move by yeah, the way i was like this is it i need to do this because this is what i'm used to um but i think just like focusing on the task at hand instead of thinking about running the race so once i got to the corral my friend aubrey we both had like kind of the same plan and then the second we crossed the finish line it was game over because first of all <laughs> the start it was, line you mean it or yeah the start line yep. it was freezing so I think I, I genuinely thought I was running slow. And I think I looked down at my watch and I was running like a 7.30 pace. And yep. I was just trying to warm up, honestly. <laughs> and then I, I realized... Well, there's I also the to, adrenaline of all the chaos of the people and everything else. Plus yeah. in Houston, you've been standing in that darn corral for 40 minutes. Yeah. So you're just anxious and ready. Which felt like no time at all, honestly. I was, I was anxious about the corral just because you're standing there with nothing but your thoughts right. and all these people who are also like <laughs> right. anxious. Doing the same, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I started off a little too fast. I think I picked up on it quick enough to kind of like take a second. I would have to look back at my watch to see like what the breakdown was because I think you could only see like every 5K, right? Right. So I honestly, I think it was like we, I got to mile seven and I was like, how are these miles going by so fast? Because I just genuinely was having fun. And then I think it was, when did the half marathoners split? Was that oh, mile seven? Eight. Okay, eight. Yep. You prepared me really well for that. And that was like the moment that I was most nervous for. Um, but yeah, I was excited. I was like, okay, this is my time. After all the halves that I ran, I was like, okay, now I am the one that's continuing on for the full. Um, and then, yeah, I kept cruising until... I think it was like mile 15 one of my followers came up to me that was running <laughs> just like nicole she was trying to have a conversation i think at that point i was like okay i cannot talk i was like i'm not trying to be rude right. but i'm trying to keep my pace doing something here but that kept me pushing also am i going too detailed into this you're fine okay um i also had all of my friends there i think i saw people at every like four miles so i always had like something to push towards people to see or to impress like I have to keep it up or else they're going to think I'm slacking. Um, but yeah, I felt genuinely very good until I think it was 17. I said 17 or 18. I hit the wall. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say you the, hit the wall, but you, um, you, you started to have challenges at that point. Yeah. I saw the 840 pacer and I was like, Oh, not good. Um, and I took, I, I think I genuinely decided in that moment, I was like, I'm going to take a minute to slow down and have a mile to myself. And then I tried to pick it back up. And then once I saw you, was that mile 21? About 21. Yep. Um, 
that was like we actually went through those tunnels and then that was yep. like literally seeing the light at the end of the tunnel because it was the final stretch and yeah seeing you was a godsend because i gen- i was like i don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> from here <laughs> and um, i was running with you for a bit and i think we got a little anxious or at least the pace picked up and yeah. and you're like oh i think i need to sit down again yeah yeah <laughs> So I, I also think I saw you and then got distracted in a good way. Like, I think I needed it for a minute, but then I was like, oh gosh, no, I need to focus because I, at that point you're just moving and you're not sure how, but I still felt like all in all, I felt way better than I would have expected. Even with what does hitting the wall actually mean? Is that when you're ready to drop? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think most people equate that to when you completely bonk, when you run out of energy. Okay. Because typically we hold, we hold about 18 to 20 miles worth of glycogen on our bodies. And then once you shift into fat burning mode, if you're not properly replacing those calories with gels and things like that, then people will hit a wall at that point once they run out of energy on board. Okay. If they're not supplementing or if they're mismanaging their nutrition. Mm -hmm. So that's typically what people describe as the wall when you kind of have this bonk that happens, which can manifest in different ways. For me, it happened. It's happened to me in one of my 20 plus marathons where I just literally ran out of gas and had very few memories of that period because my brain was foggy. I just remember things being, I was never unstable or like at risk, but I just remember everything feeling sort of hazy because I just ran out of fuel. Yeah. I luckily never hit that point. I think I, this is like a common theme in my life is not being sure if I can do something and I'll just decide to stop because I'm like, I don't know if I'll do it to the extent that I want to. So I might as well not try. And those feelings crept in. So I think it was more a mental block I was definitely Mm. actively tired or physically I should say but um yeah that was hard I was like what would happen if I did just leave (laughs) (laughs) and then I think of of the reasons you have to have a strong reason why you're doing it yeah in the first place because that's when it always comes back to like no I need my mom to be proud I need like Alec has been riding his bike with me this whole time (laughs) can't let him down yeah we can't let him down can't let me down um yeah I can't let my coach down like, I really want a beer at the end of this. Like, it's not going to taste as good if I stop now. So, yeah, I think... All good reasons. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think all in all, my quote unquote hitting the wall was not as bad as it could have been. Um, and then, yeah, we finished off. I, I wish my watch was definitely off with mileage and time just because of the GPS, which you warned me about in the beginning. Yep. Um, and I wish I would have known... I could have just kicked it a little harder to <laughs> to shave off a minute. But I, I feel like then at the same time, that's actually a lot of time in the last couple right. of miles. I would have really had to kill myself. So Plus, we want you to be hungry for more. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> and you were. That, the feeling, though, of finally crossing the finish line. Well, Alec was there at like mile 26. So he, I had the last two. He literally was on the other side of the gate running with me. He's got like flowers in his hand <laughs> and he's like running along with me. And then it kind of cuts off so he couldn't come all the way right. to the finish line. But I remember crossing the finish line and having like, I don't think I've ever had that feeling ever. And that's like why you do it. Yeah, It all makes sense when you cross the finish line. And I actually remember talking to a girl that I had seen at the end of the race and she like, she just looked so dazed and confused. And I was <laughs> like, oh my gosh, congratulations. Like you did such a good job. Cause we were kind of like every once in a while we'd pass each other. Um, and she was like 
needed medical attention. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is, I was like, no offense, but uh, yeah, not everybody, I need, I need positive ends up, ends up in the same place, yeah. but it's, for it's good just reason. cool to see yeah. who ends up crossing with you. And so describe those feelings. What were you feeling? Was oh, it gosh. euphoria, joy? Yeah. Euphoria, just the biggest sense of, were there any tears of joy? I cried. I'm a, what is it that there's like two types of people when they cross the finish line, either you have your hands up or you're like turning <laughs> off your watch. Um, I had my hands up, like I cried. I, I was, I was so excited and I felt just very accomplished. And I, in that moment I was like, I'll definitely do this again. So I think a lot of people, it probably takes a few days <laughs> to want to do it again. It depends. I think the way you did it mm-hmm. in that you're prepared and you know, the race went well. And even though you started a little fast, you still hung, hung yeah. together perfectly. I think if you do it that way, then you're going to feel like you want to do one right away because right. you're going to, you're going to sit there and be like, Oh, I mean, one, you might have that joy, but two, you're going to be thinking about, Oh, I could have gotten more, you know, yeah. there's that element of you see the potential. Right. I think too, you prepared me very well. We had a call before and you literally explained every part of the race to expect. And I could not have been more prepared for my first marathon. And I think the, all the unknown was just like actually finishing. What's it going to be like when you know, it's like mile one and two? Like, how am I going to feel? Yeah. Um, so I just felt so prepared. Thanks to you. So. Well, that's good. Good to hear. What you're here for. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm supposed to do. But there is that unknown of I've never run longer than 20 miles before. Mm-hmm. And so until you do that, there are. There's always going to be open questions. That's something that everybody faces in that first one. But interestingly, as you do more marathons, then it shifts from, I don't know how it's going to feel after 20 to, I don't know how it's going to feel after 20 because it feels different every time. Yeah. And so you still have the unknown. It just manifests in a different way. Right. I remember asking you that question. I was like, all right, here we go. The most basic question to ever exist. (laughs) But how am I going to do 26.2 miles if I literally never have run past? 20. But yeah. it's, ama- it's amazing the way that your mindset shifts because even with like half marathon training, 10 miles was like an incredibly long run for me. And now that I, if I have a 10 mile run on my schedule, I'm like, oh wow, this is a piece of cake. And it's <laughs> just because you have this shift to longer miles. So anyway, that's not yeah. totally relevant. And, but you, and you, we talked about before the race, your strength played a role too because. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people break down late in the race when they're not strong enough, but I knew that wouldn't happen to you. And, and we've talked about little form things that popped up. We all have our weak spots, but, but I knew you'd be strong at the end because of that strength. Right. I think something too with strength that I learned is actually like engaging your muscles when you're running and you're not just like going through the motions, which of course you can't think too much about it because then it's not natural anymore. But I think a lot of that helped. I remember going on one run and like my abs were sore the next day because I was like, I <laughs> must have just been them. like really engaging my core to practice because my, as we know, my shoulders curl in once I'm tired and I don't have as much range of motion in my <laughs> arms. Um, but yeah, those are all things that we can hopefully yeah. continue to work on because my running videos don't look so good <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at the finish well, line. Well, I mean, it's okay. We all have our things. Yeah. And so... So what did you learn about yourself in the journey to cover 26.2 the first time? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was that I'm actually like very disciplined and that's something that I struggle with 
just in like life. You in struggle general. with what? Recognizing that or? No, like actually being disciplined. Really? Yeah. Like in school, I was never a straight A student just because I would do like the bare minimum. And Come I don't, on. But you, but with your job, you have to be so disciplined. Yeah. Because you have to follow a schedule, a plan. Right. So that's interesting to me that that's something that you take away. I think that it's easy though to look at that and think like, oh, she has no problem with it. But it's a lot I, of work. It's a lot of work. And I think, I think it's different knowing that it's my job and I am, I genuinely love exercising. So to me, that's not the issue. It's the, okay, we're waking up at 6am. We have to work out from this time to this time. Then you have to film like that doesn't always go exactly how it's supposed to. Right. And I'll end up procrastinating, doing something at the last minute. Like, so it's not even necessarily like about getting it done. It's just about doing it in a way that feels organized and intentional and I with my training I was actually able to do that I stuck to my runs but I'm tying but now I'm now I'm seeing I'm tying it back to what you said earlier about quitting because you were afraid of what might happen yeah yeah and so I think sometimes as a defense mechanism we aren't disciplined or we don't follow the plan because then that gives us a built-in excuse right that's me to a t Okay. with it's, it's just a, I can't really think of like an, an exact example maybe actually this is one of the sports I didn't mention was figure skating I did that for a brief brief moment <laughs> you did do <laughs> See, it like all. I really did everything <laughs> um and I was in maybe second or third grade and I was actually good at it so I was with like 16 year olds in my group and I would have such horrible anxiety going to practice because I was intimidated. Mm. I didn't think I was good enough. And you know, all of these thoughts that are self doubt and I quit because I just didn't think that I could be, I was qualified to be with older girls ice skating, you know? So that's just like a common theme in my life that could have easily crept in. I feel with training. And I think it kind of did with my marathon. Well, my half marathon in Detroit, Mm-hmm. When I was supposed to run the full, like I probably could have figured out how to continue so that I could have run the full, but I just was like, oh, it's easier to just say like, I was injured. I'll just do the half. That way I don't have to have like to have excuses when I do a horrible job running yeah. the full. Yeah. So. So how do you take that and use it? Cause that to me yeah. is the, the, the magic of running. This is why I coach is because we, take this simple pursuit of covering 26.2 miles for the first time. And we learn how to do that, but we also learn things about ourselves that we can take to the other parts of our life. So how do you take that and use it? Right. I feel like I've just, first of all, matured, but then also the fact that I use running mostly for my mental health and that's like why I stuck with it and found joy in it. I think that that is why I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. So maybe does that answer your question? I guess like taking that and applying it to sticking with my training schedule. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I don't sometimes, sometimes when people have that challenge, it's it comes from a lack of belief in themselves. Yeah. I don't get that sense from you that you're someone who struggles with believing in yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I think it could actually come back to, something that I talked about uh, recently on the podcast, which is sort of fear of success. It's like if I do everything and 
then have the result that is amazing, then people will expect more from me. Yeah. And you're sort of afraid of that cycle. Yeah. And you could be scared of that in some ways for running because you don't want it to suddenly become something that it's not, which is, you know, it's your home base, it's your mental health, it's your pure joy and foundation. But if it became more than that, would you lose that part? Yeah. So I don't know if any of that resonates, but no, it does. And I'm, I'm actually thinking about this, like a lot of things in my life I did because I'm a people pleaser and like, oh, you should do this. Okay. I'll do it or I'll try it. And I don't think I had like the genuine passion to continue to pursue or wow, pursue it because I knew it wasn't genuinely coming from my want or desire to do something. Yeah. Whereas running has always been like, sure. I do it for my mom because like she ran a marathon and like, I want to make her proud, but that's for me. Yeah at the bottom like basis of it. So I don't know. I think that maybe comes into it as well um, because now I genuinely like want to do this and it feels good. And now that I, I don't, I think also just like going through the training process and you're learning each week with what you've accomplished. And so it like just continues. So it's like the, what is it, a ball rolling down the hill, how you pick up steam and yeah. Momentum. You yeah. Get, you get essentially momentum. Yeah. So now marathon done. Learn some things about running. Learn some things about yourself. We started talking pretty quickly after that about going for a Boston qualifier because you were a minute off, yeah. essentially, yeah. <laughs> at the 3.30 goal for your age group. Why Boston? My mom ran Boston. Okay. Back to that. Back to that. I also just feel like I just want to say I did it. I don't know. <laughs> I I think it's just like a very good goal and it's just like a cool thing maybe people who don't run wouldn't understand that but it just feels like like you've made it if you run the Boston Marathon and just like the experience of it because it's such a historical and and what is it it's part of like there's like Tokyo Chicago New York world marathon majors yeah Yeah. and I just think that that would be so cool to check one of those off the list um and just because like you have to be a certain level of of a runner to be able to qualify for that and I think I've loved running enough that I'm trying to run in a more competitive way and to me that like just is the big trophy like to be able to run <laughs> Boston I don't know I guess there's not like anything like you're probably looking for a cooler response but like, no it's okay it's all those things honest, right yeah. it's your mom it's the history of it I do think that I would push you a little bit, not now, but in general, to think about personally what that means and what that would represent. Yeah. Sometimes they, when when I ask people that question, they struggle, especially someone who, you know, the external validation is driving you a lot. But what I want you to think about is that finish line experience. You know what it felt like at Houston. And you've probably seen it on TV in Boston. Boylston, which is the finishing straight of Boston, is the Super Bowl venue of yeah. of road racing and of marathon running with all the crowds lining the side and just the history of that race. So think about what you will feel like at that finish line. Yeah. Not obviously in reflecting on others, but in, in thinking about yourself because right. that feeling you know, you know a little taste of it, but this is that times 10 or more. So think about what that feeling would be and hold on to that because that's just for you. 
Yeah. Nobody else can get that. Right. Well, and I think that's maybe back to like the discipline thing is you can set so many goals for yourself, but that's like the real deal. Somebody else setting a goal for you. Um, and it just feels like a huge, huge sense of accomplishment to be able to do that. So and maybe I do have to think about that a little bit more though. Of what that will uh, feel like. I do think a little bit it's worthy. Yeah. It's worthy because look, you may not get it on the first try. You know, yeah. we're going to train you for a race in February, Austin marathon, spoiler alert. Yeah. We're going to go for it on one of the toughest courses there is because why not? Because I'm crazy. <laughs> and we're going to do a half in Bryan College Station in October as a build race to that so that you're primed and ready. And one of the things people make the mistake of is they take breaks. Nothing yeah. wrong with taking a break. But then when you come back, you can't expect to be in the same place. So you took a little break after Houston. Right. To get married, yeah. do little things like that, go on honeymoons no in cool deal. places, <laughs> just a few little details. And, and now we got to build back in. So we yeah. need a season to do that, but also we need to work on that faster into the range right. at the half distance because you've never really tested your potential there. And then we'll go back to the marathon after that. Right. And we'll hopefully get it on the first try. Hopefully. I mean, I wouldn't put it past you. Yeah. You know, you ran 331 on the first one. There's no reason to think you can't do it again. But there will be times, whether it be between now and October or between October and February, where you have an injury pop up, you struggle with consistency for whatever reason, work gets crazy, posting yeah. workouts and things, and you're going to need something that's home base for yeah. motivation. And that's where that that can come in. Right. I think that's something too that I always preach with fitness in general is you have to have a why and an intention that's more than like, you know, wanting to have a six pack or wanting to build your muscle or like, it can't be just like the physical benefits of exercise. There always has to be something. So that's very much up my alley of like why you should keep up with your weight training or whatever exercise it is that you like to do. Because there has to be that when you have those days that you like genuinely just don't want to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll think on that. Maybe we'll yeah. keep it. We'll keep it to myself. <laughs> I and mean, then we'll keep it between us. Yeah, I should I mean, say. It's, yeah. it's it's personal. So it should be that. And yeah. you can share it as much as you want. But but I do think there is a little bit of homework for you there. Yeah. Just so that that's crystal clear. Noted. And I would push everybody on that because oftentimes people will rattle off five reasons, but they don't really like have the true single reason crystallized and that's okay, but it's worthy of the homework. So let's talk about what's going to change and evolve with this training as we build into Austin next February one of the mistakes people make is that they try to go from a big result and then add five things, yeah. you know, take a big leap. We're not doing that. That's not how we operate. It doesn't work because what happens when you do that is you get injured yeah. because you get greedy. And so we're going to be making subtle changes. Really, this first segment is just about getting back into the routine. We're going to build up to the same essential volume that you were doing before during the week with obviously the long runs won't be 20 miles because you won't need that for a half. Right. That was actually fun to look at my <laughs> schedule and I was like, wow, it's kind of nice. <laughs> and so this first block is going to look very similar to what you did before. Yeah. Obviously the workouts will be tailored to the half distance. So you're going to do some different things there, but from an actual and your long runs will be 14 to 16 max instead of 20, which some people may wonder about why would you do that? Yeah. But 
but it'll actually look very similar because this part of the block is just about building that routine again. Right. And I think I was reminding you that when we when we were talking about it, that we don't need any result in October. Yeah. Obviously, I would love to see you get a half marathon PR, and we you know we can be as bold about that as we want. But this cycle, this part of the cycle, is truly just about routine, building fitness so that you're ready for marathon training, and also, when we get to race day in the October half, executing, learning to execute a plan yeah. so that you can more precisely execute. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my biggest goal, I think, for my half is actually starting off slow. Because you're going to need that in Austin Marathon. Yeah. I'm going to be forced to start slow because it's uphill. You'll be forced to, but there'll be temptation not to. Yeah. And that's what gets everybody. Yeah, I know. So, well, I, I think it does excite me to not have to have a super lofty goal for the half, but I also want one. So it's like that. Yeah, we'll find, of, we'll find the we'll right figure it out once target. We, yeah, get through training. Because that's the other thing. I do have the fear of like, okay, my hip is not 100%. But it's, I mean, so far so good. But I don't want to speak too soon because we don't know. <laughs> yes. So yeah, that's the other thing. Just staying on top of taking care of myself, doing the extra things to make sure I'm healthy. Um, and yeah, we'll just see what happens. And to give you a preview of your marathon cycle, the things, you know, you're, you've been running five days a week. I'm, I'm going to stick with that because I think it works for us. Sometimes yeah. I push people to six. In this case, I don't think that makes sense, especially because you're getting the three strength days and you're going to have other movement opportunities that might be more cross-training oriented. So we're going to stick with that routine. I will want you to build your medium long run up to 10 miles this this time so we're going to make a little tweak there once we get into the marathon cycle after what was your it before eight? yeah so oh, you wow. you did max eight before houston we'll do max eight before this half but then we're going to go to 10 yeah that's cute how earlier i was like oh yeah when you look at 10 mile runs it seems like nothing <laughs> yes Not when it's right on so yeah okay. be careful what you ask for mm -hmm. and then the other tweak we'll make ideally if assuming everything cooperates so we'll get more 20 mile runs in okay so we had four planned shoot for five or six this time if we yeah. can keep you healthy We'll also be incorporating a little bit more pace work into those and we'll be able to do that on the course itself, which will yeah. be nice so you can actually oh, yeah. practice. I didn't even think about that as a benefit. Yeah. And because Austin's hilly, you're going to probably see more hills in your workouts than yeah. you which saw before. Those don't start till after the half. Right. Or, okay. I mean, you'll do some hills before that for sure. We yeah. always incorporate hills in any block, but when we get to a race like Austin, because it is a hilly course, Unlike Houston, where pancake flat, right? Right. You have you do have to prepare for the course itself. Yeah. Which means making sure the legs are ready to do not only uphills but the downhills because that beats up the quads more than anything else. Yeah. And at that stage, we should also talk about incorporating some eccentric quad strength work yeah. into your strength training, so that we can work on making sure those quads stay strong all the way through the race. Right. Yeah, I actually think I prefer to run uphill than I do downhill. Everybody, I think. Yeah. Well, maybe not everybody, but yeah. I I am in the same boat. Yeah. Downhills beat me up and in in the end when you do enough of them are way harder. Right. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a good plan to me. Not <laughs> excited about the 10-mile medium long run. No. I'm also excited though too for doing more pace work in the 20-mile runs because I think I only did one yep. with pace work this past training cycle. Just because of my injury. So, and that was actually a fun way to break up. Makes it go faster. Yeah. I remember that day perfectly. And that's actually my hip 
started to bust after that run, which I think it was building up before that. Yeah. And I just didn't want to admit it to myself, but right. it's all right. We made it through. <laughs> I'm not broken. So do you have any worries, fears going into this build to Austin? Yes. I think injury is the biggest one. Mm -hmm. Burnout being the second, because now with my job, I program workouts and I'm a big, I have to test the workout to make sure it's good enough type of gal. So I'm a little bit anxious about before it was like, oh, I didn't get my strength workout in big deal. Now it's like, okay, I actually have to for my job. So I think that's something that I'm a little bit anxious about, but grateful that we're starting with the half training so I can get into a really good routine. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't have to lift as heavy as possible. Like we talked about kind of take back, like maybe the amount of sets that I do or whatever it is. Um, and then I guess I, I think right now I'm so ambitious. I'm like, I'm going to get my goal time. No problem. But I think when we get closer to the race itself, I will have some reservations. Yeah. Um, and have that fear like I did before Houston the night before. Which is good. I mean, yeah. it's good. That fear is a good fear mm -hmm. because it means your goal is big enough. Yeah. And that's ultimately what gets your adrenaline pumping. That's what right. turns on your nervous system. That flight or fight, like, I'm going to fight. I'm going to do this. That's what kicks in when you right. have that fear without it. Sort of like, oh, hum, no yeah. big deal. Right. Yeah. So it's a good thing. Care, yeah. But we have to channel it. And I love yeah. that your friend gave you that candle to help channel it the yeah. night before Houston. We may have to bring that candle back. Do you still yeah, have the candle? I still have the candle. Well, so that, it's actually I mean, a great that is now idea. That is now a ritual for you. Yeah. Um, I'm also a little anxious to lose my toenails again. Okay. That's never fun. <laughs> I've, I've never lost my toenails doing 20 plus races, marathons, and an ultra 50 miles. You your shoes are just toes. too small. No. You need a half size up. I did. Do it again. I don't know Full about size that. Up. <laughs> I'm telling you. I think I'd rather have them fall <laughs> off. I, they're still, I go get a pedicure and I'm like, just be really careful. <laughs> they're fragile. They still hurt, yeah. They're fragile. But they don't hurt when I'm running. So yeah, they're just a little rough at the nail salon. Well, I'm excited, Nicole, to help you in this journey. I, as you know, I care. And it's always fun to get someone to the Boston qualifying goal. I love, yeah. I love every goal there. I don't put them on a different pedestal or just put this particular goal on a different pedestal, but it's always special to be a part of this journey for people when I'm, when I'm able to be a part of it. So I'm excited for it and we're going to get there. Yeah. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. That's something too. I want to say to anybody listening that came through my running page is that if you don't have goals this lofty, that it's still enough. Like yeah. we all, we, we all start somewhere. So yeah, no, it's, this that's doesn't a good have point. to be the goal. Like you can have other goals that are much less, much more, whatever it is. Like it's always, there's enough. no less or more, right? It's just different, you know, right. and everybody has their unique goals and what's massive big goal for one person is going to be different for somebody else. Yeah. And I think I said it in my last episode talking about late bloomers, people that start running late every goal is worthy. Right. And that's one thing I think our sport sometimes doesn't do a good job of mm -hmm. making people feel like maybe people making people feel like they can come as they are and, and have a goal that is right for them. And yet they'll feel like it's lesser because it's not fast enough or it's not the same goal as someone else, or they'll feel like they're not worthy of having those goals because they're not quote big enough. Right. And that stuff bothers me. Like 
Yeah. Nothing else because everybody's goals are worthy. Everybody's goals are worthy of the same rigor and training, even if it's scaled to their ability. Yeah. Everybody's goals are big enough. 100%. So I'm glad you said that. Yeah. I even have friends who I run with that their easy pace was my marathon pace. So there's just, uh, yeah, it's all different. And it's okay. There is a big ego around it though. And I I say there's no slow, only degrees of fast. So, you know, your degree of fast is different than somebody else's degree of fast. But if you're off the couch moving, then you're fast. Right. Like Alex doing the couch to 5k, you know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. We need, yeah, we need to talk to Alec about his training. I know. Next, next thing you know, he's going to be running with me instead of on the bike. We'll see. We'll see. All right, Nicole, this has been awesome catching up and thank you for sharing your journey. I love that we got through that whole history and we got to uncover some memories you hadn't had in a while. If people want to follow you or check out your pages, where do they go? Yes. So all the running stuff is on Nicole M runs. So my name, Nicole letter M runs. And then the more personal and fitness in general page where I post workouts. Um, that's Nicole M winter underscore. We're, we're working on getting the underscore taken away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we awesome. have my, my friend at a Facebook trying to reach out to those people. So you'll awesome. find me on Nicole and runs no matter yeah. what. Well, you're a great follow, I think, because it's hard to be that present on Instagram and still be authentic. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you have moments where you're like, oh, that just wasn't me. But in general, from what I know about you, yeah, you are authentic on there, which is hard to do. So. Yeah. That's always the goal. I never want somebody to come to my page and feel like they're lesser than or not enough. Yeah. Because we all, we're all in this together, honestly, whether it's running, drink, training, life, all of it. So thank you for saying that. It's true. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, thanks time. for coming on. We will do this again yeah, to keep people to. updated on your journey. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we'll talk, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Chris. Nicole Winter, everyone. Thanks to her for joining us and for sharing her story. Really appreciate that. Thanks to all of you for listening. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.